One of the things that uh, may distinguish you from the typical churchgoer is you have come here not out of a church-going habit, out of a conditioned fear not to attend services. I suspect that you're not satisfied with the engaging in ritualistic worship of God up there in the sky somewhere. The theology that says that you're a miserable sinner. Perhaps you're no longer interested in hearing how bad you are. You want to know how good you are. How to grow and unfold that which is even better. The experience of creative worship. That you are here indicates that you're vitally interested in self-improvement, in overcoming, in correcting habits of self-limitation. Of all the habits that limit and enslave us, habits of thought are the most persistent and tenacious. It could be said that we put on an attitude in the morning as we put on our shoes, left foot first, unconsciously, without ever varying the procedure by a fraction. It's by habit you start the day harping on the same old tune. So you look at the newspaper, watch the news, and say, same old negative world. You proceed into the day, as Emerson uniquely puts it, hanging dismal pictures on the walls and daubing with sables and gloom in our conversations. He calls for us to nerve ourselves about with incessant affirmatives. Of course, one does not change the thought patterns of a lifetime overnight, but you can change. First of all, you have to get into your consciousness that you can. You can become a positive thinker. This is not something you used to talk about. It's not a handy cliche that we use so often, thinking positively. It's a vital and important aspect of consciousness and expression. You may justify your fears and worries because of all the negative things that are happening out there. After all, look what's happening in the economy. What about the fear of losing a job? What about the threat of war in certain parts of the world? Today we want to explore the possibility that things are happening, as far as you're concerned, in your life, because of all the negative energy and fear and worry in your own consciousness. This is what the new insight and truth is all about. Not looking out there for causes and for the things to put the blame on. Looking in yourself. Why is it happening in you? What is it doing to you and through you? In these four weeks of lectures, we've been addressing the physical phenomena it's called recession. It's a word coined by the economists. No real meaning for the word. It depends on which economist you talk about who describes and defines recession. It relates to a business slowdown leading to shortages, higher prices, job layoffs, and general period of economic confusion. It's a word that strikes fear into the hearts of many persons. The unfortunate thing is that a condition that has a whole package of negative experiences that inevitably flow the extremely limited effects in our lives. There's a tendency to bow down before the gods of the economy, stepping to the beat of financial gloom, which we slavishly buy into, as we expect for ourselves. When you hear the word, you let it resound in your own consciousness, think it as a thought. It unfolds all sorts of confusion and negatives in your consciousness. Come along just like, like a trend of consciousness that is all laid out. This is one of those times when we need to harness our faith, which last week we referred to as the perceiving part of the mind. So to see through the clouds of unknowing, the appearances of lack and stringency, to behold and see the limitlessness of the universe all around us, 
to call forth our faith power by which to mold and shape it into prosperous conditions in our world. You see, we can say no to recession and say yes to affluence. We can commit ourselves to a communication that is constructive and creative. Say no to recession. You hear the word a lot. You'll be hearing it in the weeks to come. They'll be saying, are we in it? Are we going to have it? What's it going to do to us? Will it be layoffs of jobs? Will it touch me? Some of you may recall a slogan that was printed on posters, billboards, and newspaper ads during World War II. Idle gossip sinks ships. A slip of the lip and sink the ship. These slogans were to discourage people to talk about things that might reveal information about troop movements of the enemy whose U-boats lur lurked about waiting to wreak havoc. There's a unique parallel to our relationship to the economy. Negative and limiting thoughts and words about economic conditions can have a bad, profound influence on business fluctuations. I don't know how they affect you, but the economy as a whole. It's a very important point in recession-proofing your life. To avoid falling into the patois or jargon of recession, perhaps first to avoid using the word recession at all. Don't buy into the negative implications of the word. Some folks would say, well, the important thing is to keep from having a recession. But suddenly we come up with the word all around us that we're in the midst of a great recession. Don't let yourself get caught into the whirlpool of the negative consciousness. Stand up for yourself. Own your own mind. Take charge of your consciousness. Say no to the recession of your thoughts. Negative thoughts of poverty and lack, confusion. Say yes to prosperity for yourself, which flows forth from within. There's no axiom that is so false as the saying, talk is cheap. Actually, words are tremendously expensive investments, which become profitable or unprofitable according to the degree of positive energy involved. Isaiah has a thought that is extremely important. He says, Woe unto them that decree unrighteous decrees. Woe unto them that decree unrighteous decrees. What do you suppose this is? The fact is, if you look very carefully in your life, you find that your woes can be traced back to some kind of unrighteous decree. We were talking to someone just the other day. She was saying that she discovered that her words were very important. And she looked back in retrospect. For a long time, when people asked her about her health, she would always say, I'm so healthy, it would take a truck knocking me down to make me take me off my feet. I have to be hit by a truck before I'd be under the weather. Recently, she, her car was hit by a truck. She was laid up for a while. She's still suffering the consequences. Woe unto them that decree unrighteous decrees. That's an unrighteous decree. Sometimes we say, you don't, of course, but some people do, my aching back. You're only kidding, of course. You don't mean it. But you say it. The interesting thing is, the subconscious mind doesn't take a joke. You may be only kidding, but you said it. And the words have gone forth into the ethers. Subconscious mind takes this as a command and proceeds to do everything that will bring it into pass. Right into financial times, people often say, this is going to break me. 
or I'm stony broke, or when layoffs begin, I'll probably be the first. I can't win for losing. I'm poor as a church mouse. These things always happen to me. You never say those things, of course, but some people do. Woe unto them that decree unrighteous decrees. If you're having money, money or work problems, it's important not to follow the common practice of talking about the bad state of the economy and the problems you may be having at it. Instead, follow the cue of the prophet Joel, who says, Let the weak say, I am strong. When you first ran into something like that, out of a consciousness that you had before you discovered the truth, where he said, that's Pollyanna Poppycock. Let the weak say I'm strong. How can a weak person say he's strong? That's ridiculous. But it's important. You tie into the transcendental awareness of life in relationship to the universe. Let the doubtful say I'm confident. Let the poor say I'm rich. Actually, this is an aspect of positive prayer, which we call affirmation. And it works. Because as we said, we said in the last few weeks, the substance of God is limitless. It's all around you. Your prosperity is the fact that you are an integral part of the universe. The universe seeks constantly to flow forth through you as fulfillment and abundance. This is the way the universe works. Our prosperity is always secure. It's always available. We keep in tune. And we reject the tendencies of letting the world around us and the people in it tell us how we're going to think and say and act. Take charge of your own mind. Hold within the realization you're involved in a universe of abundance. No matter what happens in the world around you, what happens to people and the economy in general, it shall not come nigh thee. As the 91st Psalm said, a thousand shall fall at their right hand and a thousand at their left, but it shall not come nigh thee if you dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Keep your consciousness in tune with the divine flow. The I am of you is the focus of God on you. So instead of re reacting to things as they are, you may say, well, you might as well face it. That's the way things are. Times are bad. Jobs are scarce. Money is tight. That's the way it is. But the I am of you can link, link up with what you can be and what you desire to be, not the way things are. We said faith is a perceiving power of the mind. Last week we said it. Perceiving power of the mind, the ability to look beyond things, see things not as they seem to be, as they can be, seeing the potential. Like going out into the garden in the spring, and you have nothing but little buds, or perhaps nothing coming through the ground yet. The gardener who has a real green thumb, a consciousness of growing things, sees beyond the buds, beyond the shoots, beyond the little bits of evidence of growth, the perfect flowers and lilies and bulbs that are flowing forth in the spring. I am confident, capable, rich, and creative. This is what you can be. No matter what your parent condition is, say, you can be successful. So you refer, I am confident, capable, rich, and creative. Remember Jesus said, we're accountable for every idle word, no matter what you might say. You're only joking, of course, but the subconscious mind can't take a joke, as we said. Which accepts your idle words as directives. 
and proceeds to turn them into the very things you're afraid of. Remember Job said, that which I fear has come upon me. It's important to control your attitudes. Don't let fear hold sway in your consciousness. One of the immediate reactions to a person who's not in control of himself, who hears or reads things about possible recession and difficult business difficulties, fear rears its ugly head. You don't want to be afraid. You don't want to hold fear thoughts. Unless you're holding to a positive thought, unless you're taking control of yourself when you react to these things, you find fear coming forth and worry and anxiety. Many persons involved in the deep study of metaphysics completely overlook this matter of speech. Yet it's what I call the cutting edge of truth. It's the most important thing to take hold of in the beginning. While dealing with great truths of mystic power, some people still permit a steady stream of negations to fall from their lips. It's like driving with your brakes on. You recall Job reasoning with God why he as a good man should experience so many difficulties. The whole book of Job is involved in his humbling probe of the universe, discovering that what we know, what we know about, are quite different. So often we know about the truth. We're able to repeat it, to affirm affirmations and treatments, give definitions of this, that, and the other. We know a lot about truth. We've been studying truth for 30 years. What do you know? What do you know of truth? That which you know is deeply registered in your consciousness. You don't even have to voice it. It's a part of your awareness, the energy that flows forth from you all the time unconsciously. You know about it. Keep seeking to know about it until eventually you know it. It means letting go, realization of oneness, letting the divine flow unfold. This was Job's dilemma. He knew about religion, about his relationship with God. He didn't know it. His problem was not in his manner of living, but in his manner of speaking. Probably he was a man who was very religious in his practices. But he probably had doubts about his relationship with people, about his worth in the world. Wondered whether God was on his side or off doing something else. The problem was not in his manner of living, but in his manner of speaking. One of the great realizations that came to him through his search in the world is the statement, Thou shalt also decree a thing, and shall be established unto thee. And light shall shine in thy ways. Thou shalt also decree a thing. The power of decree is one of the most important talents that we all have. We rarely use enough. Decree something as being true. Speak the word. That's what positive prayer is. Decreeing the good. Not, oh God, help me in this problem. But accepting the idea that God is always present and always seeking to help you. Simply speak the word. I am free from this problem, free from the difficulty and confusion. I'm one with the power of strength and life and peace. Decree it, claim it. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, Jesus said. That desire of the universe to fulfill itself in you is always present. There seems to be a problem. It's not because God is withholding, because we're not listening. We're not centered. Like Job, many of us have developed the habit of slovenly speech, the habit of 
giving unrighteous decrees. There's always a price to pay. It could be said that we're not strict enough with ourselves. There's talk of the age of permissiveness, usually referring to the way we treat our children. But a much greater concern should be verbal permissiveness, putting into words, unfortunately many of them in the four-letter variety. If I'm a free person, I can say what I want to say. You can, but you pay the piper. You engage in negative conversation just to keep the conversation going sometimes. Cocktail talk, all the terrible things that are going on, you know what he's doing and what's going on here, what's going on in the streets, what they say, what's, going, what's happening in Washington. All the negatives that are going around, making the rounds, you buy into them, become a part of them, you get on the merry-go-round and just go round and round and round with these things. It's lovely speech. A small boy was out walking with his baby sister. A friendly man stopped to admire the cute little girl. And she's a beautiful child. Can she talk yet? The lad replied, well, her words haven't come in yet, but she has teeth. One thing is certain, when her words do come in, she'll face a crisis in her life. She will need to know when to speak, what to speak, when to keep silent, how to project the creative logos, the I am power. Unfortunately, our words come in, we buy up all the negatives that are around us, become part of our favorite way of speaking. Many of us have never learned the importance of settling out, screening out of our reads, words, the unrighteous decrees, negative statements, giving ourselves a pathway that leads on the positive way of thinking, speaking. It may seem strange to some of us that the power of speech has for the most part been overlooked in traditional religion. Even the most pious have indulged themselves at other times in, other than worship in words of pessimism, and negativism, and fear. It's additionally strange since the power of words is extolled through the Bible some of the most beautiful language ever written. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a network of silver. Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue, keepeth his soul from troubles. Set a watch, O Jehovah, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Beautiful words. But religionists have paid little attention to them. There's been very little, if any, stress on the idea of speaking positive words. Our lives are constantly dealing with spiritual law, in which there's no caprice, no special treatment, no commendation or condemnation. Divine law plays no favorites. Spiritual law operates your consciousness, and when consciousness protects itself in words, a spiritual law becomes a specific law which you set in motion, a law that relentlessly carries out the power we invested it with. So strangely, if you're all caught up with negative talk about your financial affairs, the law of prosperity for you at that moment becomes the law of recession, a lack. Get that point in consciousness. When you're caught up in negative talk about your financial affairs, saying constant stream of unrighteous decrees, the law of prosperity for you at that time becomes the law of recession or lack. It's the same law. Works to reproduce prosperity, success in your life, or failure, difficulty, unemployment, and all the few confusions that come in the world. Same law working. In the work of public health, there may be talk about a particular disease which has reached epidemic proportions. There are medical researchers who talk, begin to talk about contagion through consciousness. Dr. Merrill, writing in the prestigious medical journal, talked about psychic infection, that the real contagion is mostly in the mind. The increasing awareness of this 
or metaphysical concepts throughout the medical world. But in the same sense, what is called recession, they come to pass because of a kind of psychic infection that spreads in epidemic proportions from mind to mind through the land. Anytime the stock market has an up upward or downward trend, it's a result of thought. Lots of investors, thoughts of business people, lots of those who sit in the high places in Washington, thoughts in the average people on the street. If we knew this, we could start a trend, start a rumor, if you will. Everything's going well. We're going to have a business turn. Stock market's going up. The problems of our economy were straightening out, and we're grateful. The grim forebodings in the business section of the papers often turn out to be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Writers of e economics are constantly telling people and businesses how things should act. They don't know they're doing that. They think they're saying this is the way they think it will act. They're setting into operation almost an unrighteous decree, which becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. I admit, frankly, I know very little about business cycles. Apparently, I'm in good company because neither do most of our leading economists. <laughs> but I do know that by the law of sequence and consequence, someone sets forth a limited belief that spreads like fire through the country in a sudden downturn in the economy. Sequence and consequence. Business conditions usually reflect the thought of people. What it really counts for you is that your own prosperity or lack of it reflects your thoughts. No matter what's going on in the world, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. So what are your attitudes toward business, toward money, toward work, toward financial crises? As far as they affect and influence you, they begin with you. You may not totally cause them. You didn't cause the financial difficulties that are around you. If you're fearful of them, you give them reality by your constant talk about them. And you're responding to what the psalmist calls the counsel of the ungodly. They have a profound effect and influence on your life. In a time of fantastic means of communication, every day the world is telling us many things. Some of it is hearsay, some of it is they say, on good authority or from the high official government. There are pronouncements from leading economists, economic indicators out of Washington. The word most heard today is recession. Are we in a recession? Will there be one? Will there be a dramatic slowdown in business, great layoff of employees? From all sides, you're hearing what they're saying. The most important thing, what are you saying to yourself? Of all the stuff that is communicated to you, take the best and leave the rest. Don't tie into or take on as baggage the obvious negative evaluations. There are a lot of them out there. You may want to be informed as you read all the business magazines and the business pages. You write that right up on what's happening in business. You're looking at something that has very little effect and influence upon the economy, except by the power of the spoken word. Take the best and leave the rest. Take the bullish attitudes, which is simply the only way of saying optimism. Reject the bearish attitudes, which is pessimism. If you keep yourself consciously in tune with the creative flow of substance, 
you become impervious to the recession syndrome, there's unvarying consequences in your affairs. You become truly recession-proof. Of course, in business and social context, we're faced with what to put into words. A classic example, you can all identify with this. You find yourself in an elevator with one other person. You feel you have to say something when you really have nothing to say. You don't know the person, you have no anything in common with them. But it's kind of unsocial to just stand there and say nothing. So you'll say, usually, terrible day, isn't it? You might say, I've talked with three persons today, we've been laid off. I guess we may be next. <laughs> we have a recording of all of the things that we say unthinkingly at such times. We'd be amazed. There's a statement that I have used for years in all communication. Let something good be said. We want it in short, LSGBS. It's like the old cigarette, LSMFT. LSGBS. In a social situation where there appears to be a need, just to keep the conversation going, it doesn't have to reflect the pessimism and the negativity of the world. It doesn't have to talk about crime and drugs and war and recession. Let something good be said. Even something good about these things. If you're going to talk about war, you're going to talk about recession, let something good be said about it. Remember, idle gossip sinks ships. In your journey in the marketplace and experience of your financial well-being, in a sense, you're sailing your ship of life through the storms and turbulence of the world out there. The ship may not always have calm waters and very troubled seas, but if it's a good ship, it's a good captain and a good crew, it cuts right through the storms. doesn't get a negative by them. You can't afford to let idle words and limiting conversations to seep through the timbers of your ship. Keep a tight ship. Put into words only those things that you want to see manifest in your life. Put into words only those things that you want to see manifest in your life. You want to check up on one another. You find yourself voicing something that is negative. You forgot. You just it blurted out. You weren't kidding. You weren't thinking. A person may say, that's a good affirmation. Let's say it together. When you say, my aching back, let's affirm that together and make it true. You can shock a friend with, when, you, when you have this consciousness. <laughs> we need to be shocked. We need to recognize that these things are not just unthinking happenstances that go along through life. They're vitally important energy activities that accomplish that way to their extent. So if you're tempted to dwell on a sense of fear and inadequacy, specifically to affirm that you're strong, the world is filled with cowards who have learned courage, weak persons who have become strong, failures who have refused to remain down. People have carefully said to themselves, I can overcome. I'm strong. I'm a winner. Remember Muhammad Ali, how he kept his ship leak-proof and his attitude toward life recession-proof in a word that became his personal logo, I'm the greatest. He said this thousands of times. He eventually surrounded him almost with an aura. But many persons came to think of him as the greatest fighter who ever lived. He set that tone. People thought he was kind of silly. Some thought he was egocentric. Some thought he didn't know what he was talking about. 
was establishing a, a positive consciousness relating to himself. People thought of him and began to refer to him, even sort of euphemistically, as the greatest. Not that they were saying that he was the greatest at one or but here's the person who thinks he's the greatest. But in time, that consciousness became an energy force that settled into his life, appeared a successful life. Ernest Haycox, who experienced a sting of disappointment, before he achieved success, gave some words of wisdom to a novice in the literary world. He said, your state of mind should always be you're potentially the greatest writer in all the world. You can adapt that to your own life. You're a psychologist, a school teacher, a businessman, a salesman. Your state of mind should always be that you're potentially the greatest salesman, the greatest doctor, the greatest homemaker in the world. That should be your attitude. Obviously taken not out of an egocentric point of view, but in realization that this is the truth about you. It's the positive, the kingdom of God potentially is within you, only waiting to be expressed and unfolded. History records many Lincolns, many Einsteins, many Schweitzers, and many Edisons. Not one of them was born with any special dispensation of divine power and potential. Nobody has it all made for them. Nobody comes as a successful person, overtly. Every person has to discover the potential within him, to release it, give expression to it. In conversation and positive words about himself, to constantly voice that positive truth. All the persons who achieved did so because they controlled their inner conversations with themselves. They took charge of their minds. Each of the greats had to work hard to transcend the basic fears and insufficiencies that we all experience. Their performance proves that they worked hard at becoming their own cheerleader, encouraging themselves to keep on, saying themselves, I can make it, I know I can. I'm God's living enterprise and God cannot fail. When you hear talk of recession, it's inevitability and destructive potential. Calmly say to yourself, not in my life. I'm free from lack and I'm prosperous and successful in all my ways. I'm a child of God, free from limiting things. I'm constantly in the flow of substance. My life is affluent and free. Anna Wheeler Wilcox expresses some words. Very interesting. She says, peace, power, plenty, words that are heaven-born. Say them in your hearts that are weary till the hope in your souls is born. For words are things that will lift on wings the one who believes them true. Whatever you will when the mind is still, be called to the soul of you. Let's take a moment to be still. I need to recall an incident in the Gospels when the women came to Jesus in his passing with the throng. She had a very limiting physical experience. She came close and she said, if I could just get close to Jesus, touch the hem of his garment. The words of the scripture were, she said to herself, if I could touch the hem of his garment, I'd be healed. Jesus stopped and said, he felt some energy going out of him and he turned and saw the woman. He said, thy faith hath made thee whole. The key is, she said to herself, she said to herself, what are you saying to yourself? 
What can you say to yourself? You realize always that you're living in a sea of substance. There can be no lack in your life, no poverty, no unemployment, because you're always one with the divine flow. There's no time when you do not have the potential to be employed, to employ yourself, and to tap into the dynamics of the economy. There's no way that you can be put out of the universe. You may be put out of a job, but you can't lose your relationship to the divine flow. And you say to yourself, I know that no matter what happens around me, no matter what happens to me, as long as I let what happens in me be filled with faith and confidence, only good will happen in my life. Get the thought of sailing your ship, your whole life experience, through the waters of everyday experience. Give thanks that the God sent itself within you, the captain of your ship, directs the ship through waters that are rough and unstable, keeps the ship secure and balanced, and going through the right direction. Determine that you will keep your ship watertight. You'll keep a tight ship. Keep yourself free from negations, from negative con con comments, limiting from all confusion and release from your awareness. Bless the economy as a whole. Project a thought in faith, which you said was a perceiving power of the mind, to perceive a dynamic potential in the economy, all the businesses and all the businessmen, the stock market, the salesmen, the people on the jobs, high places and low places, see it all as established in the limitless substance of God, substance of the universe. There can be no lack, no confusion, no recession, no depression, no business downturns without an immediate upturn. And to be prosperity in the world. And to be a consciousness of abundance in the world. And as we sing, let it begin with me. Let my consciousness be a, simple, a chamber of positive power that flows forth into the world as a radiant energy. Keep yourself on the side of peace, on the side of plenty, on the side of prosperity. This day we give thanks. We're centered in the divine flow. We keep ourselves focused in the idea that something good be said. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So be it.